but there were those who wished to rob her of her precious new treasure. Fresh flowers had been laid on one of her graves, snowdrops and primroses, and she understood the prospect of new flesh was too much of a temptation for some. So she watched, and she waited. Dr. Thomas Silkstone had been there only a few hours before. The child they had laid to rest was one of his patients. Just eight years old, Evelina had suffered corruption of the flesh. A bad fall meant that a surgeon had no choice but to amputate her leg. That infection had already crept in and invaded her whole body when her distraught parents had brought their rag of a daughter to him. In life, her pretty face had been twisted with pain, and her flaxen hair soaked with sweat. But now that the peace of death had descended on her, it seemed as though she was merely asleep. She looked just as his own dear sister had looked when she passed at a similar age all those years ago in his native Philadelphia. Evelina's parents, Mary and Peter Chep, were good, honest citizens. Evelina was their third daughter and their second child to die before the age of ten. They had brought her to him when her blood was already poisoned. All he could do was dress the blooded stump, clean it with oil of thyme and alum, and keep down the girl's fever but to no avail. The passing of any of his patients always affected Thomas, even though he knew it should not. It was all part of the circle, the endless round of birth and death that physicians dealt with daily, but when it was a child, called before its time, it was all the more heart-rending. As Thomas watched the couple, standing forlornly together, overseeing the gravediggers lower the little coffin into the earth, his thoughts turned to another funeral. He recalled Lady Lydia Farrell at her mother's interment. It had been a long and lonely winter without his beloved, with only her letters for comfort. Now that the weather was turning, and spring was on its way, the coaches from London to Oxford would soon be running their daily service, and he would return to Borton to see her. He was just waiting for her word, and he would be with her. Both of them agreed that it was best— out of respect for the dead and for the sake of their reputations, to keep their plans secret for the time being. If they were to announce their betrothal so soon after her late husband's death, vicious tongues would wag once again. Thomas did not want Lydia to suffer more than she already had. "'We have paid both the undertaker and the sexton well,' Mr. and Mrs. Chep told Thomas, as the gravediggers smoothed over shovelfuls of soil, patting them into a mound. The doctor smiled and nodded reassuringly. He hoped that their monetary incentives were enough to keep the grave robbers at bay. All the same, he feared for their daughter's safety even more than his own that night. Now that winter had loosened its icy grip on the earth, the Sackamup men could work with impunity. No corpse was safe. The dissecting rooms of London needed cadavers, and the anatomists did not care how they came by them or who they were. Feeding this insatiable appetite for the dead was a lucrative business for those with low enough morals and strong stomachs, and there were plenty of those, as Thomas knew only too well. He had been approached many times by such scoundrels, but had always sent them away. Once you did business with them, it was hard to break free. He had even heard of a surgeon who refused to play by their rules— and woke to a rotting corpse on his doorstep the next day. "'Our Evelina will be safe,' repeated Mr. and Mrs. Chep to Thomas as they left the graveside. "'No one will steal our child.' 
Now it was a late hour. The spring guns were set around the churchyard wall, or so the sexton said. The night was moonless. A dog barked and the men appeared. There were four of them, and they knuckled down to work as if they were smithies in a forge, or infantrymen loading their rifles. Each knew his task and performed it efficiently. Two dug a hole down to the coffin where the head lay, while the other two stretched out a canvas sheet to receive the displaced earth. They dug with short, flat, dagger-shaped pieces of wood, so that the sound of iron-striking stone did not alert anyone. Within half an hour they had reached the small coffin. The lid came off effortlessly, the undertaker had seen to that, and they pulled out the girl's body with ease. And there she was, pure and delicate, dressed in a flowing white shroud and with a garland of fresh flowers wreathed around her pretty head. Still they stripped her.